Welcome to a special interview edition of Today on Broadway for Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. On today's episode, I had the great fortune to speak to the man who truly began my love of podcasts about his new book, which is about my favorite play. A few weeks ago, I spoke to arts administrator, activist, and writer Howard Sherman. In his previous role as the executive director of the American Theatre Wing, he hosted the first podcast that I ever listened to before I really even knew what a podcast was, Downstage Center. Howard just recently released his first book, Another Day's Begun, Thornton Wilder's Our Town in the 21st Century, in which he presents oral histories of a dozen productions of the 1938 classic that took place from 2002 through 2019. It is a wonderful look at the unique and vital messages that Wilder's play continues to bring to audiences over 80 years after its initial production. The book is on sale now wherever quality books are sold, and we will have a link in the show notes to where you can purchase the book as well. We will also have social media information for Howard there too. So without further ado, here's my conversation with one of my idols, Howard Sherman. So I guess the first question for me is, why Our Town? Why did you decide to write this book specifically at this time? Because as far as I know, I think this is your your first book, is it not? It is my first book. And it really sprang from, I, I every time I do an interview, I get asked this a lot and I keep <laughs> thinking, I really need to come up with a better origin story. But the real origin story was that I was approached by an editor at Methwin Drama who said, have you ever thought about writing a book? And I said, Yes, I have, but I didn't in that moment have some particular idea. And so I, I just began thinking. And I think in some ways there was a clear path to the book because I, um, like many people, had seen David Cromer's terrific production. I'd first seen mm-hmm. Our Town in 1988 when I was in my 20s. Um, and I'd seen a production at Sing Sing uh, Penitentiary in, um, in 2013. And then I'd written a piece for American Theater about uh, a, several productions that were all happening in a short space of time in 2017. So, so I seemed to be heading that way. But when, when I was asked by, by Dom O'Hanlon at Methuen if I had any ideas, this was, was one that came to mind and and what i found most interesting was that when i when i started looking into it thinking oh surely there are plenty of books on our town (laughs) and this is going to be a bad idea uh i discovered that wasn't the case there were many many books about thorn wilder but there wasn't a book that really seemed to look at it from the perspective of the play rather than the author. And so my first thought was, should I do a biography of our town? And I quickly realized that, that the scope of that would just be too great. This play has been done far too many times in far too mm-hmm. many countries over the past 83 years. And that's how I narrowed down to the idea of just looking at really a dozen productions in the 21st century, the past 19 years, um, as I was writing the book, to to just get an idea of why 
why this play? Uh, sort of the question you asked me, why our town? Well, I was curious the same thing. Why is this play, which has been around for so long, which seems to be so familiar and so often produced, still of interest to people at every level, whether it's educational, whether Absolutely. it's yeah. community theater, whether it's at the, the top level of the field. So so that's that's how it all came together. And it's interesting, you start the, the, the book in terms of the oral histories with that David Cromer production that you mentioned a few minutes ago. And what's interesting about that is that production in and of itself, while maybe not the educational side, really did traverse the entire scope of uh, of theater, starting out in a very traditional um, Chicago storefront theater, going up to now being, I think for many people um, that are theater lovers today, the seminal production that they've seen uh, in their lives. You said you saw it, and that kind of maybe the the one that sticks out most for you. Um, but what has made that production so unique for so many people to where that is the touchstone for what a lot of people think of when they think of our town? I think the reason David's production sticks out for a lot of people is because it wasn't exactly like what people think our town should be. And that's not to say that there hadn't been other approaches to our town over the years, but David's production ultimately played in six different cities. So it had the opportunity to reach more people. And by not looking and feeling just like most people felt the play feels, it it had an impact that I think was important both for the audience and even for professionals in the field. Although there were certainly productions prior to David's that I was aware of that had explored different ways of going about the setting. Um, but it was David's that, that I think really kicked it into high gear. I will say that it seems like Everyone has a seminal production of our town. It depends on how, when they saw it and how old they were when it happened. Because, you know, there are people who I spoke to about productions subsequent to David's who spoke about how important David's production was. I spoke with David. David talked about how important Greg Mosher's production was. Yeah. Talked to people, you know, who had seen Greg Mosher's production, the 1988 Broadway production. They'll tell you how important the 1977 television version with Hal Holbrook was. I think Our Town is a play that hits you in different ways at different times in your life. And it's these best known productions that probably reach the most people. But there are just as many people who simply have their first encounter with Our Town or their first meaningful encounter with Our Town wherever it may have been. Frankly, it was, it was pretty wonderful to have uh, Jane Kaczmarek start telling me about her first art town, the first time she saw it in 1974 at the Milwaukee Rep, and find out that the Emily in that production was Judith Light. Oh, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. So yeah. here you have you know, this, this continuity, and the great thing was I, I got to tell Judith that she was going to be in the book, and here was why, even though it was only about productions in the 21st century. Yeah. So, uh, again, there's, there's an incredible uh, legacy that our town has, and it's an ongoing legacy, because legacy sometimes suggests that something is over. Our town is far from over. It continues to build its legacy, even to the point that 
uh, earlier this week, I spoke with the director and the actor playing the stage manager of a new production that is, as we speak, in rehearsal uh, to begin performances on January 30th in Brisbane, Australia, yeah. at the Queensland Theatre there. It just keeps yeah, that's. Uh, I want to kind of talk about that here in a minute, but I want to uh, stick to the focus on um, some of these uh, different productions. One that I was really kind of ecstatic to see in the book is a theater that I know um, fairly well in Atlanta, the theatrical outfit. And I looking oh. at some of yeah, I know I've seen a number of shows there. I've interviewed uh, mm-hmm. Tom Key and some of the other people um, that have worked there. He's no longer there. He's re- uh, moved on. But um, and I knew some of the names of the actors uh, in these uh, uh, that you quote and, and, and have excerpts from in the oral history. But it, it seems like such a brilliant connection that they made um, between our town and the Laramie Project and doing those uh, in rep. And it's wonderful that uh, Moises Kaufman was able to kind of uh, to talk about that. But uh, I wonder where found, if you found beyond that in your conversations with um, the people who have been involved with these different productions, if there are threads of our town that they see you know, or the influence, so to speak, in other theater, because this has become such a seminal piece of the American theatrical canon that um, you almost consider it itself on its its own island. And I've never thought about the connections that it have. But when I read the part about it, you know, the Laramie Project being so in tune with it, it just a lot of things clicked for me. Did you find um, moments like that when other people talked about the influences of our town throughout other theatrical works? I didn't interview people specifically about the influence of our town in other theatrical work. I did talk about the representation of our town, both in adaptations of the play itself for radio, for television, and and for the one film, but also the way our town crops up in other stories, in television series, in movies, um, in, in novels. And I very glancingly touch on it. But you have to remember that that there's an episode of Cheers where Woody was in a production of Our Town. There's an episode of Growing Pains yeah. where where Mike, the, the the older son, is in a production of Our Town. Uh, uh, My so-called life has it. There are parodies of Our Town. I mean, the ways in which this is filtered into the consciousness are legion. In terms of its influence on other works, the fact that so many playwrights have chosen to take the template, the, the, the construct of our town, and apply it to other stories, which I also go into, again, briefly and hardly with full representation in the book. But you know, that is part of it. That said, Thornton Wilder absolutely acknowledged all of the influences that brought him to our town. That our mm-hmm. town did not spring out of nowhere, that it owed a debt to Greek theater, it owed a debt to Japanese theater. And so all of that is that, that our town exists within a continuity. It was fascinating. Uh, the, the Pixar movie Soul went on Disney Plus now mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. And within 24 hours of it being on, I started to get emails. Oh, wow. Tweets, messages on Facebook, everybody had to tell me, oh my God, Howard, have you seen this? It's our town. Now, 
I watched it, obviously looking for where there might be parallels. And, and so it may have struck me differently, but certainly the themes within soul and to a degree, it's, it's approach echoes some of what's in our town. Was that conscious? Was that accidental? Was that simply that our town did such a brilliant job and encapsulating the basic questions and thoughts that human beings have about their lives? I can't say, but, but that so many people saw our town in it was fascinating to me. And, and I think it's out there implicitly or explicitly. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's kind of one of the things you talked about with, um, the David Cromer, uh, production, how, um, it kind of changed the way people look at our town uh, a little bit, but, our town itself as a as a piece influences people and impacts people uh, throughout their lives. So if they see it, they, it impacts them different ways. And it, it just kind of strikes me that the universality of this show as simplistic and mundane of, you know, the first uh, the first act, it just seems like a, a slice of Americana that is different now than it was when the play was written. You know, the way Americans live is is so different. But. Um, but it still feels like home. It still feels relatable. Uh, this play does across, you know, going on a century. Um, and and now, like you said, you talk to people in a production uh, in Australia across continents. Were you able to boil down in these conversations with artists of varying types um, who have worked on the piece before what that central universality comes back? back to is it is it just that it's universal or is there something a little bit more specific about what this piece is that makes it i mean ubiquitous in, in our culture at this point i to be honest i didn't try to boil anything down the approach <laughs> yeah. that i took was here's what a lot of people who've spent time with this play have to say about it have to say about their characters, have to say about their discoveries, have to say about what was happening in their personal lives that influenced their response to the play. Uh, Because I don't think there's any singular answer, and I don't think I certainly have have a singular answer, nor did did I think it would be terribly interesting if I just decided to tell you what I thought about our town. I think Wilder was pretty clear about what he wanted people to take away from our town. I think it's not obscure by the time you get to late in the third act to to, to get what he was getting at. What's more interesting is how he got about it. That's, that's what, where, where the fascination for me lay. In fact, a week or 10 days after the play opened in New York, Wilder wrote an essay for the New York Times called A Preface to Our Town. And it's not just a preface to our town, it's practically a study guide to our town. He (laughs) wrote exactly what he wanted people to walk away with, what he was trying to do. There was no secret about it. I do think how productions approach it, how artists approach it, is interesting because they find so many different things in the play and to illuminate that central point, which is unchanging, they're obviously approaching it from a time and a place that's very different than where 
acting styles were in 1938, where the world was in 1938. And, and the play, like any play, will always be reflecting something about when it's done, uh, not just about when it was written. And so the question of why our town, why after the earliest production in the book was already 60 plus years after the play had premiered, why now? And, and there were a lot of answers for that, whether the answers came from the artistic director or director who programmed the piece or whether it came from the actors and what their process was to make it their own in the present day or recent past uh, is, is where the, the fascination lay for me. And I hope, I do hope that what the book says is there's a lot of ways to do our town. It doesn't need to look exactly like it did in 1938. And I think that's where people in some cases have a misunderstanding of the play because it is perceived of as old fashioned. And we have to remember, as Dave Cromer pointed out, which I think is really important, is that when the play was done, it wasn't going back 100 years. It was only going back 25 years. And what's unfortunate is that as people have continued to do it, some of them simply kept everything as it must have been in 1938 and so it's gone farther and farther away from, from what the effect was back then. And that's not necessarily the best way to, to approach the play, if it's just trapped in, in a certain, certain style, a certain period. Because, frankly, there are things in the play that are not defined in terms of when it's happening. Uh, we know when the scenes in Grover's Corners are happening, but we also have to remember that that wasn't in the long distant past. It was about 20, 25 years earlier. So, so how do we approach it now and achieve that same effect? We are going to step away from the interview really quickly to talk about our sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, not being the tech-savviest person in the world, I always kind of took security online for granted. But did you know that your internet service provider knows every single website that you visit, whether it's on incognito mode or not? And what's worse is that they can sell this information to ad companies and tech giants who will use your data to target you with ads and pop-ups and all of that other annoying stuff that I used to do for a living. Sorry. But ExpressVPN puts a stop to that. It creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so that your online activity can't be seen by anyone, whether that is your internet service provider or some ne'er-do-well hacker. ExpressVPN is the world's number one rated VPN by CNET, Wired, The Verge, and countless others. So if you're like me and believe your online activity is your business, secure yourself by visiting expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio today. Don't forget to use our exclusive link, expressvpn.com. 
Facebook.com slash Broadway Radio, and you can get an extra three months free. That's ExpressVPN.com slash Broadway Radio. All right, now let's get back to our conversation with Howard Sherman. This idea of of time, as you mentioned, the you know from when the uh, the stage manager is is talking to the audience and when the events actually happen. But um, one of the things that kept popping up when you were in, in your conversations with individuals who were involved with the production at, at Sing Sing that you mentioned was this recognition of time and how their time being incarcerated, it kind of how they looked at it changed um, around uh, having been a part of this uh, this production. You said this was one that you actually did see. Um, so I wonder when when you went back to kind of talk to the people who were involved with that production, what did you learn about their specific production that wasn't necessarily as evident to you as an audience member, uh, but felt important about the process after talking to these certain individuals that were uh, a part of that one? Well, let me say a couple of things. First of all, I don't think the play changed their perception of time. I think that hmm. men who have been incarcerated for long periods of time and Sing Sing is a maximum security prison. These are not people who, who are in for a year or two. I was talking to men who were serving 20 and 30 year sentences. Yeah. They have a perception about the passage of time that is radically different than those of us simply functioning in the world on a day-to-day -day basis. The men yeah. at Sing Sing also spoke about the idea that while they're incarcerated, they've been removed from the world. Uh, one of the men said, we're dead. We're civilly dead. They have very little agency in their lives. And so while they either had, or in a few cases uh, were already released, they had the opportunity to reenter the world. While they were doing the play, they were cut off their experience of the world to a degree was not unlike what Emily experiences in Act 3. So, so, as I say, they have a deep understanding about time that, and, and how do you use your time, how do you put your time to the best use that, that we, we, we don't want to be in those circumstances but but we can't ever approach what what that is. So when you ask what what I learned from them is that their explanation of how they perceived this play, some of their perceptions, especially in advance of doing the play, were not dissimilar from many of the people I spoke with. They didn't know it. If they knew it, they didn't necessarily like it. And they came around to it. So, so that, that in many ways was, was not a dissimilar experience to what, to what anyone else had. For me personally, seeing the show back in 2013, which I went to not because, oh, I wanted to see our town, but because a friend of mine was directing a play hmm. at a prison. And in my theater going, I'd really decided I needed to, to be ever broader in the work that I saw never seen a show uh, in a correctional facility. I knew all about 
or I knew that I shouldn't say all about. I was certainly aware of the long history of theater programs in correctional facilities, but I'd never seen one. So for me, initially, the experience of going to the show was about novelty. It was about mm-hmm. my experience of, of going into Sing Sing, which is sort of legendary. You think of there are certain prisons, Leavenworth, San Quentin, Alcatraz, you know, that, that loom in the public consciousness. So initially, my whole experience of going there was the fascination of going into this facility and to a degree, the anxiety of going into that facility because how many of us really contemplate even visiting a prison? Certainly people that I've associated with in my life where I exist in the realm of privilege, uh, it's not commonplace. So, but what happened was, as I sat and watched this play, everything else went away and I still saw our town. Hmm. And I stopped being anxious and I stopped focusing on where the guard stations were and the multiple doors that were locked in front of me and behind me to go into the visitor's room. And mind you, I was there at a public performance. The whole audience was people who came in from the outside. But all of that fell away, and I just got drawn into this story again. And frankly, I got drawn into it every bit as deeply, in fact, more deeply than many of the productions that I'd seen. And so... Again, going back to your first question, why our town? Because our town can do this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure. I have to go to an awful lot of plays in correctional facilities before I could say they always work or that our town, for some reason, truly did have a different experience for me. But it will always be a different experience for me because it was my first time, not my first time with our town, but my first time seeing a play in those surroundings with that with with a cast that had had the life experiences that these men had had. Yeah. Now, that production was in uh, 2013, and I'm assuming um, you started writing the book in 2019 because that's where the uh, the productions go up to. But I know in addition to what you included in the book, you've over the past, I mean, probably months at this point, um, have been highlighting some productions uh, of our town that are not in the book. Um, And I wondered if there was any of those that kind of uh, really, after the fact, you think, oh, that might be, that might have been a good one uh, to include, or whether there's an appendium to it afterwards or anything. Were there any of those productions that, that stuck out that seemed to have something unique and special about them? Well, what you're referring to is the fact that, especially in the past month or so, I've every day put up a picture of a production of Our Town that's not in the book on Twitter. Partly that is because I'm of the belief that I could have picked 12 different productions (laughs) and gotten 12 different casts to tell me 100 plus different stories. It's impossible to get your arms around totality of productions of our town and while my choices were not arbitrary i wasn't doing it to say these are the 12 productions you must know about these are 12 productions 
Yes, there were some that seemed obvious to me simply by virtue of what public awareness of them was. David Cromer's production, the last Broadway production, the West, that which was the Westport Country Playhouse production that went to New York mm-hmm. with Paul Newman in it, those were sort of obvious. And because of my own experience with the, the Sing Sing production, I always knew that that would belong there. But was the the experience of the the pair of productions that that are in the book together from Baton Rouge was the theatrical outfit production that you mentioned better than necessarily others i'm not saying whether it was better or not better i just found them interesting and what i discovered was that to just have a lot of directors and actors and designers and a few composers just talk about our town for a hundred thousand words, you'd get some very interesting insights, but I wasn't sure that it would make for a book that people would want to go through. And so what became important was the context of the production. In the case of Theatrical Outfit, it was because it was paired with Laramie Project that it seemed so intriguing because it allowed an exploration of how those two plays speak to one another. In the case of the Royal Exchange Theater production in Manchester in 2017, it's because that production was specifically programmed in the wake of the arena bombing that occurred there in the spring of 2017. And the fact that five months later, this production, which had not been scheduled previously, was not only scheduled, but fully produced and on stage there. And when you have a play that deals so strongly with mortality in a city that has experienced a great tragedy, then the, the story about why that play becomes as important as what can you tell me about this play? That was, of course, also true for the Westport production, which Joanne Woodward very specifically programmed as a response to 9-11. Uh, 9-11 happened in late 2001, and by, by late spring of 2002, that production was on stage in a part of the country, while well, not in New York City, but, but in an area where a number of people had been lost in that attack and that sure. tragedy. So in each case, as I say, there, there ended up being a larger story, not just the story of the play, which I think, I hope, serves to make the book more than just uh, an explanation about why our town is compelling. I, that's fascinating and, and kind of thinking about all the ramifications of why people still do this show. It, it really opens up your eyes to the the depth of this uh, of this specific show. But I, I want to end um, on, on this, Howard. You open the book um, with an introduction um, and it, it just says this book is called Another Day's Begun. Um, and I just um, wanted to kind of give you the, the chance to kind of explain why that title? Because that I, you know, I recognized it when I first heard the title of the book. But I think it, um, it really speaks to the focus and the format of uh, of the oral histories in the book that you that you chose to uh, chose to include. 
Well, if you're, are you referring specifically to the title of the introduction? Well, no, I'm sorry, just the, of the book itself, uh, of Another Day's Begun, mm-hmm. about why that felt so right to be the title of the book itself. Well, it's, it's, I think it ended up being right. I, I looked, frankly, at a number of quotes from the play. I mean, they're just three words, but it is a quote from the play. It, they, it comes very early. It comes after the introduction of the cast and the stage manager telling you some of what you needed to know about Grover's Corners, and then the action begins. Our town, on the one hand, is about the about daily life. The first act is actually referred to as being called daily life. Every day, another day is begun. Some people, again, if you don't look at the play carefully, think that the play is a, an homage to keeping things the same, to not changing. And in fact, the play has countless examples of the way the world is changing, even though you don't necessarily see that happening. I thought about other lines. Uh, certainly, there's, there's the line um, late in Act 3, uh, uh, where the stage manager says, no, saints and poets, maybe they do some in, in response to, to something Emily cries out. And I thought about saints and poets, maybe, but then I decided mm, it might mislead people. They might think it's religious. Uh, I wanted something simple because that's in its way, in its presentation. Our town is simple, but it's it's very, very deep. It ended up, I had a few others that I'd looked at. I'm not going to remember them all off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, but I just wanted something evocative. And in terms of, of why the introduction is called, this book is called Another Day Has Begun, it's because the way the play starts. This play is called Our Town. Yeah. Um, it's very simple. It's very blunt. Just getting right into it. Um, so I hope that that, does in fact some way reflect that this isn't a book about me doing a deep analysis of our town. You actually don't read a great deal about what, what I found in the play. I, I certainly now, in other circumstances, could, could talk about my synthesis of what I've learned and discovered from 115 people and realizations even based on things they pointed out to me. But I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about them. I wanted it to be straightforward. Uh, and and yes, I conducted all these interviews. But when you read the oral histories, I'm nowhere to be found. Yeah. My me personally, I'm I'm in the introduction. I'm in the the very brief chapter uh, about the Church of Grover's Corners, and we'll leave that enigmatic. And I'm in the conclusion. I had a lot to say about the play, but that wasn't the book I wanted to write. I wanted to write about the play and, and about the people in it. And as I'm very fond of saying, what was it like for people to live in Grover's Corners for a time? Not that they were pretending 24 hours a day that they were residents, but what was the impact of being within this play? And it was just fascinating to see what, people felt about it, how it affected them in their daily life. Uh, 
talking to mental health professionals who were doing it as a team building exercise and what they realized about what they went through on a daily basis as seen through the prism of this play. And hopefully that will be something that whether people know the play well, whether people are just reading the play now, whether people are preparing to be in a production, will find sufficient multiplicity of viewpoints to empower them to feel that they can make our town their own and, and that there is no single way to think about our town and that that is the reason why 83 years later it continues to be done and it continues to be relevant. I should say one thing we have not talked about is the fact that this is a play that was written by a white man and it was performed yep. by an entirely white cast in 1938. I spoke with many artists of color, some of whom were resistant to this play initially, but again, to a person, everyone came around to appreciating how what Wilder was really getting at, which was not about what it was like to live in New England at the turn of the 20th century, but about common truths that people have in their lives. And they were able to make it their own, whether they were serving a long prison sentence, whether they were performing it in multiple languages, like the Miami New Drama production, which was in three languages, mm -hmm. whether they were doing it in American Sign Language, like the Deaf West Pasadena production, that all of these different circumstances, and whether they were in the U.S., whether they were abroad, they all still come to the same place. It's just how do you get there? And the journey, certainly for the people in the play, is one so that they then take audiences on a journey which still seems to resonate pretty strongly despite the the vintage of the play yeah. it, it it continues to live